Welcome to the Bethesda Church Podcast. We're so glad you've joined us today. If you'd like to contribute financially to this ministry, you can do so at BethesdaChurch.tv slash give and simply select the giving option that works best for you. Thanks again for joining us. We hope you enjoy today's message. Thank you so much for your giving. Are you excited to be in God's house today? Amen. You guys look good. Um, before I dive into part three of our series, I want to take just a moment uh, to make a very special announcement this morning. We had been praying for some time uh, about the possibility of having a creative director, uh, someone that would oversee production as far as video, lighting, website, graphics, marketing, all that, all that kind of stuff, that tech world, uh, that 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 we would have someone on our team full-time to do that. And so it's something that I've been praying about for over a year, and I am so happy to announce to you today that we have hired a full-time person in this role, and uh, he is no stranger, and we are so excited about him using his gifts to do this, but it's none other than Andre Williams. Come on, church, if you're thankful. He's going to be a part of our full-time team. We're so excited for him. Dre, if you don't mind, stand up and let everybody see you, and you just wave at everybody. There we go. Got a lot of great, great gifts, and uh, he's going to be helping us in a lot of ways. And I know some of you are probably thinking, what about worship? Well, he's still going to do that, too. Uh, we, we know what his gifts are, and we're going to utilize those gifts for the kingdom of God. And uh, Dre, the best is yet to come, man. Um. Today, we are in part three of a series called The Other Guy, and this is a series on the Holy Spirit, and how many of you have enjoyed the series so far and you've learned something over the last few weeks? Anybody? Some of you are probably like, ah, you know, I got a little something out of it, but uh, I, I'm excited about this third installment because you say, well, why, why the title? Why The Other Guy? Uh, it's real simple for me. Um, the other guy, we, we have no problem wrapping our mind around God the Father. We don't have any problem wrapping our mind around Jesus because he was here physically and he taught and we have a lot of his teachings. But the Holy Spirit remains foreign to a lot of people. There's a lot of debate about the Holy Spirit, a lot of misunderstanding about who he is and what his role is. Uh, Jesus Christ, um, I, I say that because Christ is not Jesus' last name. Christ is his function. The word Christ means anointing. When Jesus died and, and got up on the third day, Scripture tells us that he defeated death, hell, and the grave. But Jesus ascended to the right hand of the Father, but Christ never left the earth. Christ means anointing. And so the presence of God, the Spirit of God, rested on Jesus. But when Jesus died and got up, the, the, the Christ, the anointing, the presence of God, was just looking for another body to rest on. We are the body of Christ. We are the body of God's anointing. Are you, are you following me? Um, and, and so we struggle with this concept. But in this series, we've talked about who the Holy Spirit is, and we talked last week specifically about is, it, is our relationship with Him, is it continual or is it occasional? 
And we learned that it is a continual relationship with the Holy Spirit. Today, uh, I kind of gave a little bit of a warning last week that we were going there, and uh, I hope to deliver here. But I want to talk to you about tongues. Hit your neighbor and say tongues. And uh, I want to call this for then or now. For then or now. If I were to survey this room and give everybody an opportunity to speak um, their opinion about the Holy Spirit, we would have a lot of different uh, answers come in. We, we all have an experience with the Holy Spirit, and we all have uh, a certain belief about Him. There would be a lot of, lot of different feedback if we were to take that route. But a lot of people, they're just not sure about how He works. And I just want to start with a, a statement your faith cannot function without the Holy Spirit. Your, the Holy Spirit helps your faith to actually work. And there's no better example in all of Scripture than Jesus himself because when you read the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you can see that Jesus himself, even though he's the Son of God, he was completely dependent on the Holy Spirit. Completely dependent. He was conceived he, he, was, he was taught by, he was empowered by the Holy Spirit. Think about this. Jesus did not do a miracle until after the heavens opened and the Holy Spirit descended upon him. He, he did his first miracle after that experience with the Holy Spirit. So here, here's a question. If Jesus wouldn't even attempt to do life without the Holy Spirit, why would we? Now, how many of you have ever played a word association game. Anybody ever play like where you say a word and then you, somebody else says the first thing that comes to their mind? For example, if I were to say farm, a lot of you would immediately think barn, maybe animal, I don't know. Um, if, I, if I said vacation, a lot of you would think beach. Oh, look at there, beach. Um, if I were to say Pastor Chad, many, if not all, would say handsome. I'm kidding, I'm kidding. All the new people are like, man, he's arrogant. No, I'm kidding. Making sure you're listening. See, if we were to play that game and I said Holy Spirit, a lot of you would immediately say tongues. Because tongues comes to mind when people mention the Holy Spirit. So what I want to do is I want to set some guidelines for us today before I dive into, I have four, four principles that I'm going to give you right out of Scripture. I don't want to... Uh, you know, preach past you, so I, I'm going to take my time and deliver to you what the Word of God says, but I want to start with some guidelines that will help us as we dive into the four points. The first guideline is that it's okay to be cautious. It's okay to be cautious. The reality is we've all seen and heard of things that people claimed were God that were really not God. How many know a lot of God gets a lot of blame for things that he's not involved in, that he's not a part of? And that's why the Holy Spirit moved upon the Apostle John to write these words for us in 1 John chapter 4, verse 1. It says, Dear friends, do not believe everyone who claims to speak by the Spirit. You must test them to see if the Spirit that they have comes from God. No one wants abuses and mischaracter mischaracterization uh, uncovered more than the Holy Spirit. How many know he wants to fix all the abuses and misunderstandings about him? And, and so 
we want this to be clear to people. We don't want them to have to filter their experience with God through bad theology or someone who claims that this was God when it wasn't. We want you to hear directly from the Scripture today. So it's okay to be cautious, but here's the other part of that. It's not okay to be cynical. You can take your time and test the spirits and, and see if it's of God, but it's not, it's not cool to be cynical. To be like, you know, those Holy Spirit people are weird. Those Holy Spirit people are crazy. Those Holy Spirit people are cuckoo. You know, how many know that the Holy Spirit, He is not weird. People are weird. And the people that we would say that operate in the Holy Spirit, and we say they're weird. Listen, if they're weird, it's because they would be weird without the Holy Spirit. They're just weird. All right? And, and so we, we have to understand that. Um, but, but we want to be cautious, but not cynical. The second guideline is we want to treasure the giver, not the gift. It's important to understand the difference between the gift of the Holy Spirit and the gifts, plural, of the Holy Spirit. The gift of the Holy Spirit is the Holy Spirit. He is the promise that the Father gave to us. He is the gift. We know that the gift, though, the Holy Spirit, He comes with nine manifestations. Tongues is one of them. How many know there's eight more? Uh, you know, that we don't always talk about. Everybody wants to talk about tongues, but, but exclude the other eight. But there are nine manifestations when the gift of the Holy Spirit comes into your life, and tongues is one of those gifts. Um, now, these nine manifestations, a great way to explain this, if I were to go out and buy you an expensive car, let's just say I'm going to go buy you a Mercedes. How many would say, I'll take that today, right? Come on, y'all. Don't be religious. All right, you would take it. But if I were to bless you with a car, uh, I would want to make sure that the car had tires. Like, I wouldn't want to buy something that didn't have tires, didn't have an engine, like, just, well, here you, you're like, what am I going to do with that? When you get the Holy Spirit, you get the, the, the ability to operate in all nine gifts. And, and, and so a lot of us, because we, we only focus on one of them, we're, we're not pursuing the other eight. But I do want to take time to talk about tongues because I think tongues is the one that many are confused by in the church world. So, um, it's okay to be cautious. Treasure the giver, not the gift. Number three, keep an open heart. you got to keep an open heart when it comes to the Holy Spirit. For some of us, our tradition keeps us from receiving Him. For some of us, we're just apathetic about the Holy Spirit. We, we, don't, we don't recognize the importance uh, of His role in our lives. Um, but you cannot receive a new experience, a fresh experience in God if you have a closed heart. Your heart has to be open. And uh, I, I would put it this way. Jesus taught us that you cannot put new wine, which wine in Scripture is a picture of the Holy Spirit. You cannot put new wine in an old wineskin. All right, that, that if you take the new wine, put it in an old wineskin, the old wineskin cannot handle the new wine. And I think God's wanting to do a new thing, but he's got a bunch of old wineskins that can't house what he's wanting to do. And, and, and here's a point for us today. Revelation is progressive. Revelation is progressive. In other words, you don't know everything. In other words, I don't know everything. 
I could pray every second of every day for the next 100 years and do nothing but read my Bible, but how many? I would still be learning on the 100th year because Revelation is progressive. God, and a great way to illustrate it is Abraham and Isaac in the Old Testament. When God told Abraham, he said, I want you to kill your son. I want you to take the promise that I gave you, and I want you to put your promise on the altar. If Abraham had been like a lot of church folk I know, he would have said, I'm not open to anything new. And even when he drew his hand back, I'm going to go ahead and go through. Even though God spoke presently and said, stop, a lot of church folk would miss that and they would sacrifice the next generation because they can't hear God today. I wonder how many that are a part of the next generation that have been sacrificed on the altar of being too rigid. Am I preaching all right? Okay, I'm just making sure. Y'all look like you're scared. But, but a lot of times we sacrifice what's next and what's new and what's fresh because we're not, we don't have an open heart and we don't understand that revelation is progressive. So we have to have an open heart. We need to treasure the, the, the giver, not the gift. And, we, and we, it's okay to be cautious. So let's dive into the content. Four facts from Scripture concerning tongues. This is not my opinion, not my philosophy. This is Bible, all right? Number one, Jesus endorsed it. It's biblical. He endorsed it. Jesus endorsed tongues, all right? Many people will say things like, well, pastor, I'm a Jesus person. I just love Jesus. I want more of Jesus. You know, my focus is Jesus. We just need to be more uh, Jesus people. And, and I understand where they're coming from. I'm a Jesus person. Like, he's the greatest thing that's ever happened to me. I'm going to heaven instead of hell because of Jesus. But if we're really Jesus people, we have to value what Jesus valued. And Jesus valued the Holy Spirit. He valued the role of the Holy Spirit. So he endorsed it, but he also predicted it. He told his disciples that there was another comforter coming. So he, he, he endorsed it and he predicted it. And Mark 16 verse 17 says, These signs will accompany those who believe. In my name they will drive out demons. How I many know we need to see more of that? Some of you are like, I don't want to see it today. All right. They, they'll drive out demons and they will speak in new tongues. So he prioritized speaking in tongues with his follower. He, pri he placed priority and value on this. And so uh, what I love about the way Jesus did it is, is he said, now, I, you know, I'm going to lay my life down. I'm going to die for you guys, but I'm sending another comforter. But here's what I want you to do. I want you to go into that upper room, and I want you guys to wait until you are empowered with the Holy Spirit. I want you to wait for the promise of the Father. The promise of the Father is the Holy Spirit. I want you to wait. In other words, I don't want you to preach a sermon until he comes. I don't want you to pray for people until he comes. I don't want you to plant churches until he comes. And the, the indication is, is that you and I can do nothing without the power of the Holy Spirit. Everything we do is in vain unless the Holy Spirit is on it. And Jesus was letting them know, don't go forward, don't plant churches, don't pray for people, don't do anything until you have been empowered by the Holy Spirit. Anybody ready to be empowered by the Holy Spirit so that you can do what God has called you to do? So he, he told him to wait, and, and, and he predicted it. And in Acts 2, is you know that's where most of us go when we talk about the Holy Spirit. It, it came to pass. Here's what it says in Acts 2, verse 1. It says, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place, 
And suddenly a sound, like the blowing of a violent wind, came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. So Jesus predicted it, and in Acts chapter 2, it happened. But I want you to notice verse 4. It says, all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. The phrase, all of them, leads us to the next point. Because the second point that that I want to make to you today is that not only did Jesus endorse it, but God made it available to everyone. Now, this, this is where a lot of people are divided. They think, well, tongues are for a few people, but not every. No, tongues are for everyone. This, the, the gift of the Holy Spirit is for every person. See, after this miracle moment, the disciples spilled out into the street. And we have to understand it was the day of Pentecost, which means that people from all over the world were there because of the festival. And as they spoke in tongues, they were, they were ridiculed because people said, these guys must be drunk. Right? And had to be clarified, they're not drunk, it's only 9 o'clock in the morning, but this is that which the prophet spoke about. And, and here's what Peter said as he explained it in Acts 2.17. He said, in the last day, God says, I will pour out my spirit, here it is, on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy, your young men will see visions, your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit. So if you broke that down, he he said all people, that's every nationality because every nationality of the known world was present during this festival. So every nationality, um, it's for everyone. Then he said sons and daughters. So in other words, for every generation that God is going to pour out his spirit. And then he said, servants, men, and women, which tells us that every gender and every economic level will be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus, God God is telling us, I have made the Holy Spirit available to everyone. It's for everyone. From the beginning, God wanted everyone to know this gift is available. As a matter of fact, here's what Paul said. And Paul, you know, he's, he's all right. Greatest apostle who ever lived that is responsible for how we do church, how we, how we do things in order, for government, for the five offices, for the gifts. Paul wrote all that. Everything we flow, flow in as a local church, Paul taught us how to do it. And he says in 1 Corinthians 14, 5, he said, I wish that you all spoke in tongues. I wish that you all spoke in tongues. Now, that's in your Bible. And I looked up the word all in the Greek, and the word all in the Greek means all. It means all. It it means everyone. I wish everyone spoke in tongues. That's what Paul said. Look at 1 Corinthians 14.1. He said, pursue love, yet desire earnestly spiritual gifts. I love that verse because he said, "I, I want you to pursue love. Love is foundational, but I also want you to have a desire for the nine manifestation, the nine manifestations of the Holy Spirit, the nine gifts. I want you to have a desire for this, that this is something you ought to be praying about and praying for and, and saying, God, would you allow me to be a conduit in this area of my life? 
And, and, and I love the, the combination of love and power because I think one of the reasons why Bethesda Church is, is seeing so many lives changed is because we are willing to love the hell out of people. I didn't cuss. I said love the hell out of them. Religious people just got mad. All right. Love the hell out of people, but also empower people with the Holy Spirit. If we love the hell out of people and equip them to do what God has called them to do, how many know our lives are going to be changed, their lives are going to be changed, this region will be turned upside down if we'll just love people and empower people? It's not complicated. Love people and empower people. And, and Paul was emphatic about the subject, and, and 1 Corinthians 14.2 reveals that. He says, for one who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men. Now, we just need to grasp that. Before I finish, the, we just need to grab hold of what he just said. He says, for one who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. For no one understands, but in his spirit, he speaks mysteries. Paul says, tongues is not gibberish. Tongues is not some mindless state. Uh, it is that, that tongues is your spirit. How many know you are spirit, soul, and body, but you are spirit first? Like your body is going to return to the dirt. Your spirit is going to live forever. Paul says when you pray in tongues, you're not talking to men, but you are, you are communicating directly with God. So, so when I speak in tongues, it's not for you. I am speaking in a heavenly language directly to God, that in a language that he understands, and it's not gibberish. It's not a mindless state that I'm in. For example, like my kids at different phases have said different things that I understood, but nobody else did. Great example. Zeke used to come in and say, Mom, Dad, I need the sand sanitizer. And he'd say, I need a sand sanitizer. Now, most people are like, what in the world is a sand sanitizer? And I'd be like, that is hand sanitizer. That's what he's trying to tell you. Every, every word that starts with a C, she puts a T on it. So she, she'll say, I tried all day. What she means is I cried all day. Or I want tookies. What's a cookie? It's a cookie. Like, I understand that as her father. I know it's not gibberish. I have a relationship, and what sounds like gibberish to everybody around her, as her father, I completely understand. And yes, when I speak in tongues, you may not understand it, but I have a heavenly father that understands the language that I'm speaking in, and my spirit is connecting directly with the spirit of God. Does that make sense? So it's not gibberish. It's not something that we just, you know, Push to the side, no big deal. It, it's a language that we cannot understand, but God understands. And, and a, another way to explain that is, is if I showed up at the headquarters of Google today, probably not Sunday, probably Monday, um, but if I went to their headquarters in California and I showed up and I asked all the, the masterminds behind Google and how they do what they do, I said, won't you give me a quick education on what you guys do and how it all works? How many of Google would not be able to talk to me on their level? I would have no way of comprehending all of that. I would have no way. I would be totally lost. They would have to communicate it on a level that I could get it. Paul is saying that when you speak in tongues, it's a gift from God to help us communicate on God's level. 
it helps us communicate on his level. Now, the Holy Spirit's available to everyone because your heavenly Father desires for you to communicate to him on a new level. Jesus endorsed it. God made it available to everyone, number three. The church was founded on it and continues with it. Acts 2.41. It says, those who believed what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day, about 3,000 in all. The day the church was, was birthed, the day the church came into existence, they spoke in tongues. And not only did they speak in tongues on the day the church came into existence, we see it all throughout the New Testament. Not just Acts 2, we see it in Acts chapter 10, go read that. Acts chapter 19, 1 Corinthians, the book of Ephesians, the book of Jude, all talk about the power of the Holy Spirit and praying in the Spirit. And so it didn't stop on the day of Pentecost. How many of you understand that when the Holy Spirit was poured out on the day of Pentecost, that was only the beginning? Now, a lot of us, we really struggle. That was just, they needed it then. Like, we don't need it now. Like, how many know we need the Holy Spirit now? Like, it, not like, like we, we have a relationship with the Holy Spirit through the apostles. No, I have a relationship with the Holy Spirit intimately. Not just through the apostles, but, but an experience in God. And, and so a lot of people will say, well, isn't that a small sect of people? You know, isn't it like a small group that really believe that and, and flow in the gifts and speak in tongues and all of that? Well, the, there are over 670 million spirit-filled people on the planet right now. And sociologists have, have noted that, spirit, that the spirit-filled church is the widest-reaching, most diverse movement in history. And every 25 minutes, three 3,000 people follow Jesus in a tongue-talking church. Uh, y'all ought to clap better than that right there. Some of y'all are like, man, I don't know. All right, Jesus endorsed it, right? God made it available. The church began with it and continues with it. If tongues were not meant for today, then why does the New Testament talk so much about tongues? Why write an eternal book and place something that would only be temporary in the New Testament? Something that would only exist then. All right? Paul wrote extensively about how, it sh how the Holy Spirit should operate, how we should conduct things decently and in order. And most of the confusion surrounding the Holy Spirit and tongues can be traced back to churches that ignore Paul's instructions on what it means to do a church service with decency and in order. I have been a part of church services that were chaos. Completely, out of, completely ignoring what the Apostle Paul said about operating in the gifts in an orderly way, that there is a way to do it. And he gives us three categories of tongues, and they each have a unique place in the church. The first is tongues are a sign to unbelievers. It's a sign for unbelievers. Uh, 1 Corinthians 14.22 says, Tongues then are a sign not for believers, but for unbelievers. So these tongues occur 
When the Holy Spirit transcends our intellect and gives us the ability to speak a language that we, that we didn't know before, a language we didn't study, a language we were not taught, He gives us the ability to do that. And, and this is given as the Spirit of God wills to reach. Um, it's, act, it's an actual sign to lost people that there is a God. And I've heard so many stories of, of missionaries and evangelists and pastors that travel the world a lot, they will go to other countries and be in a service and feel prompted by the Holy Spirit to start speaking in tongues and unbeknownst to them, they were not just speaking uh, in a heavenly language, they were speaking in the language of the country they were in, even though they were not not taught, they they, they, they never learned it, never had a class on it, but here I am in France and I don't know the language, but the Holy Spirit is now helping me to praise God in their language. How many know that if you show up to a service like that and somebody that doesn't doesn't speak your language starts speaking your language by the power of the Holy Spirit, that will cause unbelievers to believe real quick. That has to be God. He wasn't taught. He wasn't coerced. He didn't have a class on it. But the Holy Spirit, that's what happened on the, on the day of Pentecost. They, they heard their languages being spoken by fishermen that did not know their language. That's why the Bible says, and they heard their native tongue. And that's why they were all like, what is going, how do they do that? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. So it's a sign to unbelievers, but the Holy Spirit and tongue specifically is meant to strengthen the church. Strengthen the church. 1 Corinthians 12.10. It says, to another, miraculous powers, to another, this is the gifts right here. To another prophecy, to another distinguishing between spirits, to another speaking in different kinds of tongues, and to still another the interpretation of tongues. These tongues listed here are a divine message that must be interpreted. That when it's given, how many of you have ever been in a church service and you heard somebody give out a message in tongues and then somebody else give the interpretation in English? Come on, if you've ever heard it or seen Okay, a lot of hands are going up. You've seen that happen. Listen, tongues plus interpretation equals prophecy. It's the same as thus saith the Lord. That's prophecy, right? You're speaking on behalf of God. But when tongues are given and then an interpretation comes, the tongues plus the interpretation equals a prophecy, which is a word from God and prophecy in Scripture Paul tells us prophecy is meant to encourage the body, to comfort the body. And and so God can do it through tongues and interpretation. The first is for unbelievers. The second way is to encourage believers. Look at 1 Corinthians 14, 22 again. He says, tongues then are a sign, not for believers, but for unbelievers. Prophecy, however, is not for unbelievers, but for believers. So if the whole church comes together and everyone speaks in tongues and inquirers or unbelievers come in, will they not say that you are out of your mind? Do you all see the difference here? Paul, Paul is saying, like it, it looks like, is he contradicting himself? But, but with a better understanding of the distinct tongues, we can see that the first type of tongue Paul mentions is a sign for unbelievers, but the second type of tongue he mentions with the interpretation is to strengthen the church. Like if we all came in and, and as spirit-filled, 
If we've, if we've received that gift and, and we just all came in and turned it loose and we all just started speaking in tongues and when I got up to preach, I just spoke in tongues. How many know all the lost people would say, y'all crazy? If I got up and spoke in tongues for 45 minutes and you didn't understand what, what, what I was saying, listen, my spirit would look like Hulk Hogan. But you would leave here confused. It would build me up, but do nothing for you. Okay? So, so there, there has to be order to it. And, and a lot of times, and I'll get to that. I don't want to give that because I want to give you the scripture for it. The, the next way that we utilize tongues is for personal prayer. This is where I was going with it. Personal prayer. 1 Corinthians 14.4. Anyone who speaks in the tongue edifies themselves. But the one who prophesies edifies the church. Like if, if there is a choice to be made between me speaking in tongues right now or prophesying, how many know I should probably prophesy? Because me being in tongues is not going to benefit you. It's going to benefit me. But a prophecy would, would encourage you. It would lift you up. The Greek word for edify means to construct or to build. So when we pray in the Spirit, we, we are building up our capacity to house the presence of God, building up our strength in, in faith, in attitude, in boldness. All that is happening. And I'm no different than you guys. I have bad days. I have days I'm moody. I have days I'm stressed out. I have days I don't even know what to pray for as I should. And so it's at that moment, instead of trying to figure out how do I pray, I start praying in the Holy Spirit. And, and that building, that construction phase takes begins to take place and the Holy Spirit goes to work in me, puts a hard hat on and he starts taking out pride and putting in humility and taking out depression and giving me joy. He starts rearranging this house that he lives in when I pray in the Spirit because when I pray in the Spirit, it edifies me. Are you following? It, it builds me. It strengthens me. So, 1 Corinthians 14, 14. For if I pray in tongues, my spirit is praying, but I don't understand what I am saying. Well then, what shall I do? Here's, Paul said, here's what I'll do. I'll pray in the spirit, I'll pray in tongues, and I will also pray in words I understand. How many know both are in order? Both are in order. There are times I pray like I'm talking to you. God, help me today. Do A, B, and C. God, open up my heart. I pray like that. But there are times that I have to pray in the Spirit, that I need to move in the spiritual dimension. And some people, I think a lot of the hesitation is, some people think if I receive the gift, then, you know, the, the tongues thing, it's just going to pop out everywhere I go. Like I'll be totally out of control of my life. Listen, if you're going to have the Holy Spirit work through you, the only way that happens is if you participate. He does not take over your tongue and speak for you. Like you're not going to be in line at Starbucks ordering a latte and all of a sudden break out in the Holy Ghost real loud and speak it in tongues. And I want to give you... <laughs> He doesn't take over your mouth. The same way you get saved by faith and receive the promises of God by faith is the same way you pray in tongues. You speak by faith as the Holy Spirit gives you the utterance. But if you don't open up your mouth, nothing's ever coming out. 
There are a lot of Sundays in worship down here. I'm praying in the Spirit, in tongues, but you don't hear me. Because I can control the volume too. How many? I don't have to start screaming in tongues for everybody to look at me. I can pray in tongues kind of under my breath in the Spirit. Because Here's the verse for you. In, in 1 Corinthians 14, 32, we think this stuff just takes us over and we're like a robot that can't control where we're going. Listen, he says, remember, 1 Corinthians 14, 32, remember that people who prophesy, they are in control of their spirit and they can actually take turns. That means I could prophesy under the unction of the Holy Spirit and have another one ready that God wants to say, but I could say, hey, you go ahead and give that one. And I can wait and give my turn in a minute. That means that, that we, we are in control of the Holy Spirit moving. And, and I don't mean that in a negative way. Religious people right now are going to say, no, the Holy Spirit takes over and you don't have a clue. Listen, you don't become a dummy because the Holy Spirit takes over. Man, I'm in the wrong church right now. Notice Paul says, he says, if I pray, I love that verse. He says, in, in verse 14, for if I pray in tongues, I love if I pray, okay? Then at the end he says, I will pray in the Spirit. I will pray with the understanding. So Paul is telling us, I have a choice. I can pray in the Spirit or I, I can choose not to. I would encourage you to, as often as you can, choose to do it, to operate in it, to do that. I choose to exercise my faith. Everything you've ever received from God requires faith and the Holy Spirit, He is no different. Meaning that you and I get to choose how much we are built up spiritually. Look at Jude 1 verse 20, only one chapter, but it says, But you, dear friends, by building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit. Praying in the Spirit does for your spirit what lifting weights does for your body. We got people that work out and bench press stuff and crossfit and their body's awesome but their spirit is nowhere. Because the same way we build up the body through physical exercise is the same way we build up the spirit man by praying in the spirit. And a lot of people miss this part of their faith. The fourth thing, Jesus endorsed it. God made it available to everyone. Church was founded on it and continues with it. Number four, the enemy fights against it. The first time the Holy Spirit was poured out and people spoke in tongues, listen, 3,000 people got saved. Do you think the devil was happy about that? Absolutely not happy about that. This was an unprecedented threat to his kingdom. So now what does the enemy do? Anything that's legit, he's going to try to create controversy around it. Like, like tongues and the gifts of the Spirit. That's why the enemy will, will put in people's minds, everybody that's Pentecostal or praising the Spirit, they're crazy. Or there's teaching going forward that says it was only for those people. There's all kinds of controversy around. Why? Because the enemy knows what Romans chapter 8, verse 26 says. It says, in the same way, the Spirit also helps our weakness for we do not know how to pray as we should, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. 
When you and I pray in the Spirit, we pray God's perfect will, and the enemy's goal is to oppose God's will. But when we pray in the Spirit, we are praying in agreement with the perfect will of God. Now, look with me. I'm almost done. Hit your neighbor and say, he's almost done. Oh, y'all look real excited about this. Ephesians, you're going to be excited when I get to the end of this. In Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. How many of you are familiar with the armor of God in the scripture? All right, most of us know about it. Look at this in verse 10. Paul says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. He goes on to list the, the breastplate of righteousness, belt of truth, shield of faith, all the things that we know about. But look at verse 17 and 18. He says, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. Could it be that the enemy has fought so hard against this gift because when we leave it out, we go into battle without the whole armor? He connects praying in the Spirit to the armor of God. In times of war, armies will use complex languages and code. Why? Because when it's transmitted to other team members, other locations, if the enemy happens to intercept the message, that even if they intercept it and get it, it's in a language or a code that they do not understand. So it doesn't help them anyway. As believers, we have been given access to heaven's frequency. And when you and I pray in the Spirit, the devil and all the demons in hell are not able to prevent victory from coming into our life. It is a weapon to protect your family, your health, your finances, your children, your job situation. It is an actual weapon. I want you to stand with me as I tell you this story. It's about a guy by the name of J.D., and this happened some years ago. But he and three other friends decided they were going to leave on a, late on a Saturday evening and sneak away without their parents knowing. And they were going to go ski. And they, the plan was, we'll ski, you know, as long as we can, halfway through the night, and we'll, we'll, we'll try our best to get back before our parents get up the next morning. And so they went, and they skied, had a great time, and they're on their way back. And... There's four of them, and there's one, one guy in the passenger seat, two guys in the back, and those three fell asleep. Well, the real problem came when after the driver put the car in cruise control, that he also fell asleep, and the cruise was set at 62 miles an hour. And so what, what happens is, is that the car goes off the road, and it's headed towards this, like it's like a 30-foot ravine. And it's headed right towards it. But the car hits a discarded, displaced bed mattress on the way, which causes the tires to spin, the cruise control to shut off. And, and they went into the ravine, but the investigators said, had it not hit that discarded bed mattress, they would have died instantly on impact going 62 miles an hour. But the car slowed down enough that all four boys not only survived, but they came out of the car and not a one of them had an injury or a scratch. Now, you say, well, that, that's great, Pastor. That's great. Well, here's what you don't know. He went home 
obviously, and told his mom what, what, what had gone, gone wrong and what had happened. And, and she said, J.D., what, what time was it when you wrecked? What time was it? And he said, well, I know exactly what time it was because when, when we hit, when, when the impact happened, the, first, the only thing I saw, the first thing I saw was the digital clock, and it said 521, 521 a.m. And she said, J.D., this is crazy. I just want you to know, though, at 5 a.m., I was awakened by the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit began to move on me. And, and she said, I prayed in tongues from 5 a.m. till 5.30 a.m. before the Holy Spirit released me from praying for you. And, and, and here's the thing. Could it be that the thing that is misunderstood and debated is the very thing you need for your family, for your children, for your finances, that'll put a hedge of protection around all? It's a, it's a weapon. It's a weapon. And many times we are missing out. I'm telling you, if you can learn to tap into the presence of God and begin praying in the Spirit by faith. You say, well, Pastor, I've only got like two syllables I'm hearing. Well, by faith, speak those, and I promise you the floodgates will open up and you'll begin flowing in the Holy Spirit. You can pray over your children, your money, your marriage, all that, and it becomes a weapon that the enemy cannot decode. And he cannot stop the victory. How many are thankful for the person of the Holy Spirit today? Come on, somebody. If, you, if you're thankful, come on, give him a praise. I said I wasn't going to get crazy and preach, but you know how it is. I get fired up over this because something that has become so debated and so much controversy can be one of the most powerful things in your life. I can't tell you how many times I was in a situation that I did not know what to pray for. Did not know how to pray. But it's when I tapped into the Holy Spirit and began to pray in a language that I don't understand, you don't understand, but guess what? I'm not praying to men. I'm praying to God. And through the Holy Spirit, I have heaven's frequency. Listen, Holy Spirit's not weird. People are. I don't think I'm that weird, but I have the Holy Spirit. Now, y'all may say, yeah, you're weird, Pastor. You are one of them weird people. That's all right. I want you to bow your head, close your eyes, no one looking around. I want to ask you today that if, that if you're in this place today and you're not in relationship with Jesus and you feel a drawing to come into a relationship with Jesus, that's the Holy Spirit. He draws us into a relationship with Jesus. We can't even get saved without the Holy Spirit convicting us. We talked about that in week one. He convicts us of our sin, helps us to recognize what we need a Savior and that Jesus is the Savior. So if you're here and you say, Pastor, I need to be saved, I need to be forgiven, I want to ask Jesus into my heart and life. If that's you, I'm not going to embarrass you, but I'm going to ask you in this moment to just throw your hand up and say, that's me, Pastor, I want to be saved today. Thanks for that hand back there, and this one, and this one. Three over here. God bless you. Another one here. God bless you. Awesome. Four hands. Anyone else? Before we pray. Anyone else? Thank you for your obedience, those that have raised your hand. But we're, we're not going to let you do this alone. We're going to pray with you. I want every voice in this place to be lifted up. 
And let's pray this together. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. I'm a sinner. I've committed sins. I need a Savior. I can't save myself. So I ask you to forgive me, to cleanse me, to come into my heart, to be my Lord and my Savior. Thank you for saving me and changing me. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, can you celebrate those four people? Come on, give them a big God bless you. So good. I'm going to ask the prayer team and staff to come forward. We're going to do one more song, and we're going to open up these altars for prayer. If you need prayer for anything, we're here to pray with you and for you. Listen, you may be in this next song, you may feel the Holy Spirit come upon you. And, and listen, if, if that happens, by faith speak. All right, by faith. Like I said, I, I pray in tongues a lot during worship, and, it's, and you all don't even know it. Because I'm not over here screaming, bringing it. Listen, how many of we don't want to bring attention to ourselves? Did y'all hear that? We don't want to bring attention to ourselves. So we just want to be empowered. So if the Holy Spirit comes upon you during this altar time, during this, this last worship song, by faith speak it. I promise you, you won't regret it. It's power that will be released in your life. Thank you so much for being here today. Let's give God the best praise we have all day. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Bethesda Church. We hope you'll stay connected by following us online. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and our website, BethesdaChurch.tv. Thank you for joining us and have a great day.